Welcome to the Naked Wellness Podcast. As a qualified nutritionist, I'm here to strip away the nonsense and get down to the bare essentials of nutrition and wellness. Join us as we debunk myths, chat with top-notch experts, and serve up practical tips that will leave you feeling empowered. Get ready to uncover the naked truth about living your healthiest life. Let's undress. Welcome back to the Naked Wellness Podcast. Today I have a special guest with me. I have Irene Hadjisaba. Irene is a, or I should say Dr. Irene. She is a molecular and cellular biologist who does science communication on digestive health, the gut microbiome, and its impact on overall health and well-being, which is so exciting to have her here today. And that's literally what we're going to be talking about, the gut health, its impact on your body, and just the importance of actually putting your focus towards that. So welcome, Irene. Thank you, Michaela. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really excited to be here and talk about my passion, you know, gut health and why it's important to take care of our guts for overall health and well-being. Yes. No, I'm so excited as well. Did you want to start off with telling us a little bit about yourself, your journey that you've been on? What got you interested in this gut health world to start with? Yeah, definitely. Um, so um, as you said, I'm a molecular biologist. Um, I uh, I love science. I've been a science nerd um, my whole life. I like how, I mean, I'm fascinated with how the body works and um, explaining it in a way that people can understand it, simplifying it in a way that it's accessible to um, everyone. I uh, have a um, BS in biochemistry and I did my research and my PhD in molecular oncology so cancer therapeutics and one of the cancers that I studied was colorectal cancer so I've always been interested in in the gut in the gut and of course um, eventually how the diet affects the gut in in um, different ways I have uh, taught in academia both high school and uh, university students so I've I've tried you know to um to communicate the science in different in different ways to different audiences as well um and i've uh, you know done research and i've published in the world of cancer therapeutics thyroid cancer and um and gut health with the uh book that i co-authored um stop bloating and heal your gut which is a book that, book that basically addresses gut health and ways that we can uh, promote good gut health and what it means, you know, to have to suffer from digestive symptoms, um, etc. Why this is so close to my heart is because I've also suffered with IBS since um, I was uh, a child. A lot of members of my family also suffer with gut symptoms, in particular IBS. My IBS was the worst during my PhD years, as you would imagine, because of the stress, of course. And, um, you know, I walked into a gastroenterologist's office and I said, you know, I think I have IBS. And um, we went through the whole process of testing, etc. And she came out and said, you know, thankfully, it's just IBS, which is not the case, because it's not just IBS. I understand that obviously, from a gastroenterologist's perspective, it's nothing life threatening, but it's still life debilitating for many many patients and uh it's my objective to you know through this work that i do with science communication and gut health through the workshops and the social media to um remove the taboo that exists with the um gut brain disorders of gut brain axes and IBS and share knowledge and make people understand and find simple ways that they can take care of their gut 
not just to tame the gut symptoms, but also to help with overall health and well-being. And we'll discuss this, of course, a lot, I'm sure, in the next uh, you know, hour about why gut health is so important. Um, on top of that, I'm, I'm very proud to say that I've recently joined uh, a group of fellow um, science nerds called, <laughs> called those nerdy girls. It's actually um, a group of uh, women scientists and clinicians that started in the U.S., um, that basically provides um, um, factual and practical health information. So it's a science communication group that aims to battle science uh, misinformation and to explain, again, science and health issues in a simple way. So that allows me to, you know, work on my uh, science communication and it opens doors for me and another platform, of course, to uh, to work on uh my love for gut health. So that's my story in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What an incredible journey that you have been on. I think it is just so powerful that you are taking all of the complex information and knowledge that is out there because science can definitely be quite complex to understand and then actually providing it to people in a really digestible way, which is great, right? Because there is so much information that is out there and it can get really hard. It's just like somebody of the general public that it wants to be that healthiest version of their self, doesn't know where to start, is overwhelmed with all of the information that there is. And so it's so cool that you actually get to be that that middle block to be like, no, you get to be that healthiest version of yourself. And I'm going to give you the simplest steps to get there where we aren't going to overcomplicate it. And I'm going to give you all of like the real factual information that's based on science. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And there's like you said, so much information out there that when you're sorting through, it's easy to get caught up with, you know, things that are not valid or things that are, are misrepresented. Um, so it's, it's important, you know, the work that you do and the work that um, people in the gut health world and in the um, diet nutrition world do um, to spread the word for sure. 100%. So I think let's start with even just identifying what is gut health, because I know that it, it goes in and out of trends, I feel gut health, and there's so many different definitions of it. So if we just like bust all the myths on that and set the ground rules of yeah. like what is gut health? Yeah, you're so right. I mean, it is a buzzing word, it comes in and out of fashion, and it is complicated to define it, because there's really, like everything else with our body, there's not one one kind of recipe that fits all we're all you know we have all our own individual gastrointestinal system so we kind of work have to work around what we have but in general terms when we're talking about a healthy gut or gut health we're talking about a gut that you know can digest food properly and absorb the nutrients in a way that it can support the nutrients can support the body so that it can grow it can function properly we have energy we don't suffer from fatigue uh, etc so that would be number one um, number two not consistently suffering with gut symptoms so actively having gut symptoms such as bloating diarrhea constipation uh, nausea troubles with digestion, uh, abdominal pain, um, discomfort. So all of these things um, not to be actively present most of the times and of course affect our everyday life. And number three, which is my favorite part, is um, to have a um, diverse community of 
gut bacteria that form a gut microbiome, the so-called uh, gut microbiome, that basically um, there's so much evidence that it is linked to so much that goes on with our health overall. So it is important to support it and keep it diverse and, and keep it in a condition that um, is good, that can give back to our body everything that it's supposed to do. Yeah. So that would be my definition of um, good gut health. Yeah, I love it. And so you said that it like having that diverse gut microbiome is so important because it has a flow and effect into so many other areas of your health and your body. What are some of those other areas? Like why is it actually important to focus on your gut health? Right. Yeah. So the, I mean, the gut microbiome focusing first on that, um, it is, like I said, a community of beneficial microbes, specifically bacteria is where most of the research has been done so far. So when we talk about the gut microbiome, we're referring mostly to beneficial bacteria, but there's definitely, we know that there are viruses, fungi, and all sorts of other microbes that are present, that basically support um, our gut and that they've been linked with good um, immunity, um, good brain function, uh, mental health, um, the, um, good skin health, heart health, um, et cetera. So that um, studies have shown that in cases where there is an imbalance in this diversity of the gut microbiome, mm -hmm. uh, there's linked to um, um, type 1, type 2 diabetes, allergies, asthma, uh, Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's disease, mental health, such as depression, colorectal cancer and other types of cancer, um, and the list goes on and on. So definitely when, we're, when we say why it's important to invest in our gut is number one, to support this community of gut microbes in a way that then they can produce chemicals and they can keep us healthy um, themselves. Also on top of that, we want to support our gut so that again, it can digest the food properly and we don't suffer from all these gut symptoms that we uh, discussed. We want to support our gut because the gut and the brain are um, connected and there's so much research evidence that is coming, you know, that, that is coming along that shows that they're so interlinked and we can, again, discuss this in more detail if you wish. Um, so by supporting the gut, we support the brain and by supporting the brain, we support the gut. So that is important. And also, interestingly enough, um, a lot of our immune system actually resides in our gut. 70% mm. um, of the immune system actually is present there. So by, again, supporting our gut health, we're supporting our immune system. And that's why we see this link between, you know, a disturbance in the gut microbiome and in gut health with autoimmune conditions, um, such as um, inflammatory bowel disease, um, other, you know, lupus and other autoimmune conditions as well. So it's all kind of interlinked. And the science shows that by taking care of our gut, we can support all these, um, all these uh, conditions and all these that I, I mentioned. So a huge impact it has on your overall health and well-being. And I know for me personally, on my journey, I had a parasite when I was quite young and it was just like a tornado had absolutely gone through my digestive system. And so I was left with IBS after that. And when my gut was not at the point where it was supposed to be, I did experience so many of those things that you said, like fatigue, I was moody, I had brain fog, I just had like lack of concentration, my digestion was all over the place. And it is really uncomfortable to go through your days where, you know, you feel like you're doing all the right things and your body just 
also feels like it's not cooperating with you right and it's so interesting to know that a lot of this stems from just like this one root thing in your body being your gut microbiome and your gut health and when you actually start to work on that and heal that and have a good balance with the gut microbiome that it can impact so many other areas of your life and i know that you mentioned a lot about your immune system and that playing a huge part with your gut health what about the serotonin because from what i've heard that's a big part in the gut health and i would love for you to even dive into the mental health and that brain gut um access and connection because obviously there's that saying that your gut is your second brain as well right yeah yeah definitely definitely um starting with you know what you mentioned about gut symptoms um, and how that influences both mental health and your overall health i mean we see that um these uh, gut symptoms can be a affect people's social life and um, how they feel and how they feel about their body so much. I mean, it leads to isolation. People cancel plans to meet with their friends, fear of um, eating in restaurants, fear of, um, of visiting someone's home and not knowing like what food will be served, uh, feeling this fatigue so that basically it affects both your work and your social life, leading to a lot of food restrictions, uh, fear of food, fear of traveling, fear of being on, on public transport. So all of that, not only does it affect your day-to-day, -day, but it can have a huge impact on your mental health. So that's one aspect that the gut symptoms themselves can affect um, the mental health. But like we also said, the gut and the brain are so well connected that one affects the other. As, and brought up serotonin and in fact um a lot of the serotonin which is a happy chemical and that you you know these chemicals are generally expected to be produced in the brain and to function in the brain are um the um precursors and what helps for the production of much of the serotonin is actually located in the gut which tells us that the gut plays a particular role in how our happy like how on, on our happiness and on how our moods and um, our day-to-day, -day, you know, feelings of um, happiness and um, stress, etc., develop. On top of that, definitely we can uh, say that our gut is like our second brain. I mean, subconsciously we've we've known that, like, correct? Because we always say, "Oh, I have butterflies in my stomach, and I get stressed before a presentation." Like, I have ideas with uh, diarrhea. So I'm always, you know, running to the bathroom before a major event. Um, people get constipated because of this stress that uh, that they feel. We always say, you know, I have a gut feeling when I'm meeting someone and all this stuff. So subconsciously, we've known that there is the feeling and the gut go hand in hand. But of course, there's a lot of research and evidence um, to support that. Um, our gut has its own nervous system, which I think it's fascinating that, you know, it has this, the so-called enteric nervous system. So it could be essentially self-sustained in a way that has, it has developed a nervous system to support it. But that nervous system is also directly linked and communicates with the brain through, you know, another buzzing word, the vagus nerve. A lot of people talk about the vagus nerve and how we can keep the vagus nerve healthy and this communication, you know, healthy and happy. So there is a direct neuronal communication with the brain, but also we know that the gut microbiota, so the gut microbes that we discussed, they also produce chemicals and 
brain um, and neurotransmitters that again communicate with the brain. So everything is, um, you know, kind of um, interlinked in a way that supports the statement that you just said that you know our our gut is um, our second brain. And um, if uh, if I can elaborate a little bit more on this because I think it's such a fascinating topic. I mean, um, you can see that. For example, if you address um, stress with, with ways such as diaphragmatic breathing, yoga, some self-care, taking a walk, you see that your gut symptoms are, are also controlled. Or the, the, the other way around, like, you know, your gut symptoms, you're having a flare and you see that that exacerbates your stress, showing that there is definitely this communication um, between the two. And interestingly enough, like if you take care of your gut, you also see effects on the brain. There was a study um, called the SMILES um, um, study that was done a while ago and it was uh, published and it's, uh, you know, very well uh, accepted in the scientific world where basically they took uh, patients who were suffering from moderate to severe depression and they split them into, into groups where, you know, they, they both... Uh, groups of patients continued on their uh, uh, depression medication, of course, but one was followed a diet that was um, kind of resembling the Mediterranean diet with a lot of plant-based uh, foods and a lot of olive oil and, you know, plant diversity, etc. And the other one was doing this um, befriending therapy, talking therapy, which also supports, uh, you know, um, of course, mental health. And they they saw that the group with the dietary changes had a dramatic and a much more robust um, improvement in their depression scores. Um, and they were actually in remission from depression, showing again that if you take care of your gut through diet, one way would be through diet, you can um, have an effect on your mental health. So I think that's fascinating to, to see all these examples um, that support the statement of uh, the gut and the brain interactions. Yeah, I completely agree. And that it goes so much deeper. You know, there's so many layers to this and that we got to look at all the different areas, but your diet and, and actually looking at your gut health and how that's impacting so many other areas of your health is, is so important. And I know for me, if I have a really stressful day or a very go, go, go day at work, I end the day and I feel quite bloated. And it's not until I take that time, like you said, to just like literally take some deep breaths and slow down or get out in nature, I'll go for a really slow stroll and just give my body that space and that time to be like, we're not in flight or flight. You don't have to be in flight or flight. Yeah. Like I notice that the symptoms then actually start to go. And same as like, if I, eat while I'm distracted at my desk or anything like that, which obviously I recommend not to do, you notice that like the digestive symptoms are just so much worse when you're actually there present with your meal, you're, you know, you've reset your central nervous system, all of that sort of stuff, because the gut has to prepare to be able to eat the food. Like, you know, you need to be mentally focused on what you're having to eat. Like there's just so many factors that go into play in actually supporting your gut to then support your overall health, your energy levels, your blood sugars, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it's really important that we start to look at the bigger picture because when we start a health journey for so many people, they just focus specifically on, you know, what they're eating to lose weight or where the health goal is and what exercise they're doing. But you also need to make sure that 
the exercise you're doing is not over exercising or not putting extra stress on your body to impact your gut health the food that you're eating you've incorporated you know all of the diversity and etc cetera, etc cetera, to support that as well there's just so much so many more layers than i will than i think you know we can sometimes just put out there yeah yeah you're absolutely right like the big picture is what you said that's what we have to focus on and also you know be kind to it with ourselves and if you mess up one day or if you have a flare it doesn't mean that it's the end of the world it's like again a big picture and it has to also I think what is important and I try to you know pass on this message is that it has to become a lifestyle change it's not mm-hmm. something that you do one day because you're bloated and that's it you know and then you feel good for a few days and then you go through that cycle again so you have to be kind to your body and do all these things and address slowly slowly all these things that that you you mentioned definitely and that just made me think as well that that means that these gut detoxes or these gut juice cleanse that are a short-term fix aren't the way to go because those lifestyle changes forever you can't do one thing and expect your gut to heal and then stay healed without continuing to do particular habits yeah yeah and easy short uh, um you know fast fix is generally not the solution (laughs) to a problem that is so big and yeah you know um something that definitely your body tells you that you need to address it in in a serious and uh, multifaceted manner mm. I think so there's you know going on a detox or a juice cleanse or a, um, a colon uh, a colon irrigation or anything like that is not the solution uh, to your problem that's that's for sure yeah absolutely so what are some red flags that people should be looking out for in regards to knowing that they have an unbalanced gut or an unhealthy and unhappy gut is it like if they just have one symptom like constipation or something like that to seek out or should they have multiple different symptoms because i know that you have already mentioned a few but yeah what should people really look for to, to then be like okay now i should actually go and seek that help and that support to make sure that i am working towards having a happy and healthy gut yeah, yeah, that's definitely a complicated question because, uh, like we said, again, each of, each of us has their own um, digestive system, and you kind of have to also be observant and know your body. And I always say, um, keep a diary and keep a symptom diary for an extended period of time, especially if you think that there's some issues with your gut that you you should address. Always don't feel like it's taboo to address them with your um, clinician, healthcare provider, dietitian, you know, um, talk about who they are used to read, talk about any of these symptoms, definitely. I would like to, to start by highlighting, um, you know, red flag symptoms that could alert to a um, serious disease and that we should never, you know, um, ignore those. And that would be unintentional weight loss, blood in the stool, dark stool, or, you know, um, fatigue, anemia, waking up at night to go to the bathroom often, uh, feeling like you need to go to the bathroom, you go, but then you don't feel like you've actually, you know, emptied your bowels and you need to Mm. go again. Um, Symptoms that start over the age of 50 that are sudden. Um, Anything that, you know, anything that just doesn't feel right. um, All these things should definitely be addressed with a a healthcare provider. Um, Other than, you know, for colorectal cancer and signs of, you know, inflammatory bowel disease, celiac disease, you know, serious conditions that need to be addressed uh, um, 
through that pathway. But, um, you know, also going back to signs of maybe an unhealthy gut, I would say, um, of course, the symptoms that we discussed, you know, digestive symptoms. So it's not just a little bit of bloating, you know, you eat your beans, of course, you're going to be a little bloated, uh, the bacteria, they ferment the food, they produce gas, but we're talking about symptoms that are consistent, that are active, that happen for um, several days, you know, during the week or during the month, um, you know, for example, waking up in the morning, like you said, feeling good. And then by the end of the day, you're bloated, you're uncomfortable, you have abdominal pain, um, you have diarrhea, you suffer from constipation. And then again, constipation, that's when I say, you know, you, of, you know, your body, because the experts say, you know, you can poop from three times a day to three times a week, and it's all considered normal. So again, what you if you see any changes in your bowel movements, I would say that is even more concerning that the actual, you know, how often you poop or, you know, go to the bathroom. Um, then I would say, you know, nausea, acid reflux, all that stuff. Then I would say sleep disturbances, because we know that sleep and the gut's go hand in hand. Um, signs of um, an imbalance or an effect on the gut microbiome. So for example, um, you know, like effects on the immune system, autoimmune conditions, um, inflammation that can result from this imbalance, just generally a feeling of uh, fatigue and not feeling like yourself. I would say these would be signs um, that you would need to address. On the other hand, you know, there is a misconception that everybody who suffers from gut symptoms is going to have a, an imbalanced gut microbiome and imbalanced gut. So, I mean, the research shows that some people have a non-pathogenic, completely normal looking, I guess, gut microbiome. So, again, it's it's a work in progress and we're learning more as we move along. But that would be my main points for um, looking out for your gut and what could signal you know, to pay more attention to it. Mm, so, so many different signs that people can look out for. Touching on the bloating one specifically, because I know that this is, or that there can be a bit of misinformation around. Everybody has a different idea. You know, is bloating normal? Like, is it something that everyone experiences? Is like, And if people do get bloated, you know, how can they start to reduce the bloating? Yeah, yeah. My God, bloating, 30% of the population, any workshop that I do, any, you know, presentation, you ask people what if they suffer from bloating, so many of them will say, and I, I, I'm sure you have so many um, um, people that, you know, contact you and say that they suffer from bloating, like 30% of the population. Uh, it appears more in women than men, or at least women talk more about it than, uh, than men. Um, it can range from something that is like mild discomfort to something that is completely um, debilitating with a lot of pain um, and discomfort. So bloating, I mean, a little bit of bloating is normal. Um, what the gut bacteria love to do is anytime you give them uh, plant fiber, so by eating a lot of plants, they will break it down in their own way of metabolizing it and fermenting it as we say and they'll produce gas so if we eat a lot of broccoli or we eat a lot of um beans i mean the, you will have a little bit of bloating but a lot of bloating that affects your day-to-day -day, that is not normal or and it should definitely be addressed 
Um, a big aspect of that, of course, is the food we eat. And that's why I always say, talk about it with a dietitian and nutritionist, figure out what are the triggers so that you don't exclude everything that you think affects you, but in, instead, you know, maybe include them in smaller quantities and build up so that your gut can handle it a little bit more. Like with beans, I, that's a huge example. You know, you don't have to cut them out from your diet, but start with one spoonful or two spoonfuls and then add a little bit more. I mean, it's tough on the sensitive gut, but you have to work your way um, through that. But other than the diet, there are so many little lifestyle hacks that I I, I love to address that can help with bloating. And one that you you mentioned is um, this eating mindfully and chewing your food. And we are we have these super stressed and long days where we eat quickly, we eat in front of the computer, at work, et cetera, and we don't eat mindfully. And in fact, digestion begins in the mouth. So we need to give ourselves time to break down the food, um, let's say 10 to 20 chews per mouthful if possible. I know it's kind of, you know, <laughs> funny to just sit there and count, but it becomes part of, mm. you know, habits eventually um so that then when the food moves to the digestive system is already in a form that is already begun its digestion it's easier to um digest it and not produce all this gas um things like um tight clothing can trap the gas there it doesn't allow the bowels to move the way they should so um loose clothing always helps um chewing gum can be a trigger because when you chew gum, you um, ingest a lot of air. The same with drinking with a straw uh, or drinking carbonated drinks that contain a lot of gas, of course, and you're adding gas to an already sensitive gut. So it has trouble um, uh, releasing it. So it just builds there, basically. Um, keeping well hydrated, that's another big issue that I'm sure you, again, um, uh, come across a lot so that also helps with with bloating um uh, the um addressing this gut brain connection and the stress um helps so doing some um diaphragmatic breathing can help to move things along in the gut um in the gut um and and one more very important thing is to avoid grazing so like you know snacking throughout the day you need to allow your gut a little bit of time in between meals to um, take a break and to go through this wave-like motion of pushing things along, to push the gas along, to put the food along so that, again, proper digestion and absorption and movement of stuff through the gut can happen. So um, we say give three to four hours between snacks and meals just to allow for this cleansing of the colon. It always helps with... Um, with bloating and overall gut symptoms. Mm. And I love how you've touched on so many different parts of your life that you can focus on to actually support your gut. You know, like you've got the mindset stuff with the breathing, but you've also got things like the water intake and adding different foods in as well. I know that there's a lot out there around, you know, the diversity in the plant-based foods that you're having, aiming for is it roughly like 30 different plant-based foods across a week and probiotics as well. Is that something that you recommend people can start to add in just to support gut health or again, is it individualized? Yeah, I um, plant, 
I think plant diversity is one of the uh, of the most important things that you can uh, include for gut health, especially because, like we said, all these plants they support the the gut microbiome and the beneficial bacteria. That this is their food, basically. They have the enzymes to break it down, whilst our digestive system lacks these enzymes. And research has shown that. Um, because we have so many different types of bacteria, they eat kind of like different types of fiber and different kinds of food. So by giving them a, a diverse um, plant fiber diet, you're supporting many of them and you allow many of them to do their job properly. So like you said, very correctly, um, the evidence shows that at least 30 different types of plants. And when we say plants, people tend to, you know, only think about vegetables and they mm. get scared. Oh my God, how am I going to eat 30 different kinds of vegetables in one week? But basically it comes from six different categories. So it's your vegetables, your fruits, your whole grains, nuts, seeds, um, uh, legumes, your pulses, and herbs and spices, which are also a very good way to add plant diversity um, to your diet. And the other, um, uh, and, and prebiotics, which is another, you know, buzzing word uh, these days, which is the basically this plant-based fiber that is actually used by the beneficial bacteria and it provides a health benefit. As far as probiotics food, um, fermented foods is what I, uh, you know, I love. I, I, I love to experiment with them. I think it's a lovely way to introduce um, also plant fiber. If you eat your kimchi and your, you know, sauerkraut, um, miso based, I mean, um, soy based like miso and tempeh. So all these are ways to introduce um, fermented foods. Um, one that is supported by a lot of scientific evidence are the um, dairy, the fermented dairy, such as yogurt and kefirs, and they also have been linked with um, a good heart, um, heart health and skin health and um, in general fermented foods to lower cholesterol, help with digestibility. Um, sourdough bread, if you can't handle um, whole grain bread because you have a more sensitive gut. So I would first go with fermented foods and then consider probiotics. Yeah. In fact, probiotics as supplements, I mean, mm -hmm. because I think that trying with the fermented, with the um, um, dietary approach, it's more feasible, it's cheaper also. And there's, you know, there's not a lot of evidence that says that just taking a random probiotic a day is going to improve your gut health. So supporting it, I think, with all these um, good foods and which make you feel good as well, um, you know, I think is very, very important. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, especially in Australia, right? They say that Australians have some of the most expensive pee because we supplement with so many different supplements and like probiotics and spend all the money, but like if your body doesn't need it, it just like excretes it anyway. So I think it's important that you do focus on food, food first, and then if you have to supplement, then you can supplement. And so I would love to know that, as you mentioned, so with beans, for an example, you can slowly start to build up 
as your gut gets used to having more and more and more beans can this go the other way as well like if you cut something out of your diet does your gut kind of adjust to not having that as often and then when you do have introduced it back in your gut is like whoa what is this i'm struggling to digest this because this is something that i i think i experience and i see a lot in my clients as well of when a food they have cut out for whatever reason you know they've thought it's it's not a food that they should be having from some diet that they have been on and now they're wanting to reintroduce dairy could be an example or carbohydrates or something like that their body can react in very interesting ways yeah yeah totally yes it does go the other way around as well because um the 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 gut microbiome like we said is being supported by all these foods so if you Mm. take them away those bacteria that are that want to eat this food they're not supported so they decrease in numbers um and they you know they kind of get quiet for a while which can lead to issues but you know once you give them back their food they'll get overexcited they'll start increasing in numbers and you see all these um, gut symptoms as well so it takes a little bit of time for your gut to remember the kind of things that you used to eat and um you know to readjust to these um to these con- conditions and it um i i was reading that this is observed a lot um in people with uh, eating disorders of course because you know they um because of so much restriction then trying to incorporate things back into the diet can be very hard um because of the digestive effects that you experience so you have to do it kind of slowly again you need to gentle and to be gentle and i think you also need to address everything else that we've discussed so both the the, the gut brain connection yeah and the stress uh, of all that and self-care so that you support your gut um, in this way, of course. Uh, I mean, as far as lactose, the same stands, but also, of course, we need to acknowledge that there's people who either lack lack the enzymes or they have them in smaller quantities. So there with lactose, um, it's a little trickier. And I would say, again, you work it around with um, a dietitian or a healthcare provider, but there's there's things you can do um, even with lactose. For example, you may not be able to handle milk or ice cream or cream products, but there's less lactose in yogurt, in fermented you know, dairy, um, in hard cheeses. So there's ways to go around it to re- to make your gut remember that you know oh lactose is i can handle some of it and just to reintroduce things and not exclude as much from your diet Mm, i love that and i think you're so right and you can build that tolerance up and you can reintroduce so many different foods and just have that diversity and that also allows freedom around so many different food choices as well which then removes stress and like it's just funny how it all comes back to being so interconnected which i think is so cool I would love to know what are your three most common myths that you actually hear about gut health? Oh, (laughs) I would say the number one is what we kind of addressed a little bit about probiotics. And I love what you said about the expensive pee. (laughs) I think that's really funny. But basically, um, people think that, you know, and, and it is the easier way out that if you take one probiotic a day, you're going to support your gut health and your overall health and well-being. But Really, um, probiotics is a tricky business because there's a lot of research behind it. There's a lot of um, 
support, of course, because there are different strains of bacteria that support different conditions. There's evidence that different strains of bacteria will help you with symptoms of IBS, with bloating, with diarrhea, um, probiotic, certain strains, again, will help you with um, to combat kind of like antibiotic um, antibiotic induced uh, um, diarrhea. But there's no really um, scientific evidence at the moment that one general probiotic is going to help you in any way just because like we said it's the 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 effect of the bacteria is so specific so you have to get the correct strain for the correct symptom so i would say you know stop uh, wasting your money on just taking one probiotic and invest more on what we discussed like you know your um diet plant diet Versus diet and your fermented foods, cutting down on um, a lot of processed foods and incorporating more um, fruits and vegetables and whole grains and all that to support um, the microbiome. So that would be one. Yeah. And two, very related to what I just said about supporting is this misconception of I, I'm suffering from symptoms I need to exclude and the food fears that come from gut symptoms the solution is not to exclude but to include inclusion mm -hmm. is so important um when uh, we're addressing gut health um so again go go gentle and slowly and include and drink your water to support because fiber and um and uh, water go hand in hand so um do that and do it slowly so if you don't uh, take if you're not very big on eating fiber don't run rush into eating your 30 plants uh, a week right away give yourself some time to get used to it because there will be gas that will be produced so be again very mindful of that um and also include um omega-3 fatty acids so fatty fatty fish and uh, nuts and seeds that are wonderful again um sources of prebiotics uh, include polyphenols such as you know, coffee, if you can handle it, dark chocolate, grapes, uh, um, a lot of herbs and spices to support your gut microbiome. So that would be my second one. And I think, oh, there's so many that I could address, of course. But um, I think um, going for these um, um, food intolerance tests, that people mm. do that they pay so much money to do this there's no evidence scientific evidence that if you do any hair or blood or uh, you know um skin prick uh, uh, tests for igg um what they're called igg related um intolerances this there's no indication that you know there's any evidence to support that allergies are completely different they're mediated by completely a different part of our immune system and um what you do basically you give all this money you run a test and then it comes back and tells you oh you should exclude all these things from your diet to feel better and it leads to a lot of food restriction so i would say you know avoid those and again instead um go to in including more and seek for help from um you know people that you can trust on social media of course you know that are experts on the field um your your healthcare providers anybody that can support you um in 
you know, the right ways. Mm, I love all of those because they are all so common and you hear them so much and especially around like thinking in abundance rather than restriction because that also then plays into the stress and so many other factors. One that I would love for you to kind of bust as well is around gut health and fasting, especially in women, because I know that you mentioned, you know, you've got to give your gut that time between each meals. But what happens when it comes to fasting for longer periods of time? Yeah, I get that question a lot also from from people, you know, about intermittent fasting, etc. In fact, there's no evidence so far to support that intermediate fasting for you know a huge um extended period so so has gut health benefits mm. i mean like you said we need to give our gut a rest and that especially the sleep time you know at night uh providing this you know that's the break that the gut wants it doesn't need you to fast for 16 17 hours a day because not only will that probably you know, exacerbate your gut symptoms, but also when you go to eat your food, you're going to be starving. So you're going to end up eating fast, forgetting everything that we just discussed, you know, eating fat, uh, fast, not eating mindfully, grabbing things that, you know, that you, because you're so hungry, anything that you find in front of you. So you're not very mindful about incorporating more plant uh, fiber. So you end up actually in many times exacerbating the symptoms um, by that. So giving small breaks and giving that night, you know, the night break is important, but I, I personally, I don't, I don't see a, a lot of benefit in fasting to the point that you're starving yourself. You know, if you, mm -hmm. if you think that you want to give a little break to yourself, that's a different story. On top of that, you know, people with sensitive tummies, they, they tend to not deal well with um, with uh, going for an extended period of time without food. You know, you need to give your, because you, you also don't deal well with a large meal. So you have to find that in between, in between way to support that. And that would be with more frequent, smaller meals, not grazing, but yeah. more frequent meals support that. Yeah, I love that. And because I think a lot of people forget that you're fasting when you're sleeping anyway. And for a lot of us, we don't like our bodies don't actually need that extended period of fasting. Like it does not mean need any longer than when you are asleep. And if you kind of just work with that circadian rhythm as well of, you know, eating when the sun goes down, eating when the sun comes up, you know, your body is going to have enough rest between that, that whilst you're asleep to do what it needs to do. And there doesn't have to be this restraint and restriction during the day. Yeah, yeah. And sleep goes hand in hand with gut health. So, you know, if your gut is good, then your sleep is going to be good. Yeah. You don't wake, you don't have this interrupted sleep where, you know, you might get up, open the fridge, eat something, go back yeah. to bed. So it's all so interlinked when you think about it. So you're supporting one, you're supporting the other for sure. 100%. I love it. Now, I do have some quick fire questions for you. Are you ready for these? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the first one is, what is one thing that you must do every morning to set your day up? Okay, so that's something that I've been doing um, that I was underestimating for a long time and that I actually, uh, um, besides my coffee, which that's my, <laughs> that's my, best, but you know, that I put a lot of um, energy and I appreciate a lot is a good breakfast. Mm. Um, and it 
I've, it has shown to help me so much with my IBS. I, I didn't in the past, I would have like something very small or not have any breakfast because I'd be yeah. stressed. I'd be you know, running for work and stuff. And now I actually cherish and I enjoy my breakfast. And I also find it as a lovely opportunity to um, introduce a lot of plant fiber in my first yeah. meal. Because you can have your fruits and your nuts and seeds, your chia seeds, your flax seeds, um, you know, your oats, yogurt, all of it in one in one meal. So you, I, I feel like it sets up my day really well. I am happy with myself that, you know, I've introduced plant diversity, but my, my tummy is also full. It takes a little bit of time to digest it because it's plant fiber. So it, it keeps me happier, longer. And I just, you know, I, I feel like it has been um, very good for both for my gut, but also for my mental health, I, I think as well. Yes. But good breakfast is always such an important way to start the day. What is one thing that everyone can do every day to improve their life? Hmm. It's a tough one because there's, <laughs> of course, so much we can do and each one would say something different, but I think moving and mm. being physically active, but not in a restrictive way, like, you know, not in an obsessive way where you think, oh, I have to exercise um, and it has to be intense and high impact exercise. In fact, moderate exercise or any type, type of moving really, um, you know, just from the simple things of what taking the stairs, walking to talk to a colleague at the office, um, taking it. I love taking walks. It helps me a lot with my IBS. I, and I think it also that kind of exercise or, you know, a gentle yoga, um, yoga session with breathing exercises. Not only does it help with the movement, but it also addresses the gut brain connection. So I think you kind of gain two, uh, two of the supports of gut health in one. So I would say that <laughs> movement yeah, yeah. Sure. I think movement and especially what you said that incidental movement I think it can be so incredibly underrated uh, for a lot of people when they think about movement or exercise they think about going to the gym and thrashing themselves and breaking out in a sweat movement doesn't have to be like that at all it could even be you know if you grew up roller skating and that's something that you loved that that can be your form of movement or like you said you know walking around the office and just having a chat with somebody we got to remove those expectations that we put on ourselves of what movement has to look like. Oh, yes, yes, I totally agree. It can be a dance, you know, yeah. you're dancing around and singing yeah. in your in your house. It, it can be anything basically that that um, allows you to get up from that chair because we're all so um, caught up with everything that we do without adding extra stress. That's also very important because it was what you're saying. It shouldn't be that expectation because it just adds extra stress. I mean, I'm not a person that hits the gym every day or does things things like that but just a gentle movement to keep things going yeah I love it what is your favorite quote and why oh not very good with that <laughs> with quotes but you know I'm gonna say something um I I, I don't know if you you know Ted Lasso the the movie the tv series um, I've been obsessing a lot about it the last uh, the last year but at, it's basically a, a tv series uh, that is like such a a good TV series that pro promotes kindness and um, uh, being um, kind to yourself and to others, and also promotes the importance of mental health. Mm 
um, and removing taboo from mental health and how it's important to to address it in various scenarios. In that instance, is you know in it in a in a uh, football team, but basically how each one supports each other. And uh, Ted Lasso is a very very kind man, and he his motto is believe. And I think that that can be such a powerful motto to have because you can believe in yourself that you can do things, you can believe in others that they can support you. But also, you know, as far as gut health and health is concerned, I think you can uh, trust your gut and you can trust yourself that um, you can do things slowly and you can reach a point where you're more comfortable with your gut symptoms and your overall health. But also at the same time, um, believe that even if you mess up, and you fail, you can start over and you mm. can, uh, you know, do this again. So that basically it's a belief that you will achieve your goals eventually in many different ways, but to be gentle and to love yourself. So hope is not cheesy, but, you know, I've been, uh, I've been enjoying this uh, so much. And I yeah. think it just has such a big effect in everybody's life. Yeah, I think that there's so much power in that because at the end of the day, there's no failure. There's literally only feedback. And if you can just take the feedback from all the situations and, and experiences that you go through, it means that you're just going to keep consistently evolving and growing and learning and really achieving those end goals that you have. And what your mind believes, your body achieves. And so if you truly believe that you can actually do something and get to that goal, like your body is going to do what it takes to get there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you're evolving. That's that's a, an amazing yeah. way to exactly exactly. And we we evolve and our body changes and we need to accept also the changes that happen yes. uh, all along. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one question that I do love to ask all my podcast guests is in the distant future, when you are looking back at your life, what do you think will be your biggest achievement or one thing that you will be most proud of? And this might be something that you've actually already achieved or it could also be something that you're hoping to do in the future. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty happy with what I've achieved so far. You know, my uh, going through the PhD was quite a challenge, and um, publishing the book that I co-authored was also, you know, a big challenge. And setting up my work with um, the the social media and the science communication, becoming part of those, uh, you know, member of those nerdy girls. And but I think that if I like in the distant future when I'm looking back. I would say that I would feel content if I felt that I've made an impact mm. with my uh, um, science communication that, you know, if I've helped people um, kind of find ways to discern what is misinformation versus, you know, um, real science backed by evidence to be able to sort through, you know, references and understand what is um important to uh to um take and what is not important and to kind of find peace with the gut health and to accept some of the symptoms and to move forward and to feel good and have overall health and well-being so i hope i you know i achieve that um and i get some good feedback from <laughs> from people about that well absolutely i mean you're bridging that gap right and that is so powerful that you're able to do that especially in today's day and world where social media is just growing and growing and there's more information that gets pushed out and pops up on people's phone and especially if we go like the TikTok routes and things like that it's so easy for the the wrong information to land on somebody's feed and for you you get you are creating that environment and that space for people to be able to differ between the true and the false which I think is so powerful 
Yeah, I think it's important to give these skills. I mean, the social media is, is here to stay. And I mean, if you give the younger generation the skills to sort through it, to be able yeah. to sort through that, I think that is such such a more important, powerful tool than blocking the social media and saying, you know, don't follow these accounts. Mm -hmm. And because there's always going to be something that you are that you you need to decide if it's true or not, or if you want to believe it or not. So I I true I truly believe that giving these skills is very, very important. 100%. And did you want to tell the audience what you have coming up, if anything exciting for them, and where can the listeners go to find you? Yeah, um, well, I'm, I'm hoping to, you know, like we said, continue with my social mm -hmm. media to do a lot more science communication um, on gut health. I want to do more workshops, include more um, stuff, like we said, on the benefits of the fermented foods and and all these things. Um, I would like to, in the future, I have uh, in my mind to perhaps publish a children's book on uh, the, the gut micro microbiome, but in simple terms, again, that they can understand the importance of it and how how they can support it. I am very um, looking forward to my upcoming season of um, my Instagram live series, Love Plants, where I interview um, other experts in the field on um, the importance of, um, of, again, gut health, plant-based eating and how um, this plant diversity can support um, gut health. And I have a lot of, uh, you know, imp um, exciting guests that I, I would like to have a chat with in the, the future. And, um, you know, just continue all this work that I'm that I'm doing um I am um, most active on Instagram mm -hmm. uh, but you can find me on Instagram Facebook and Twitter are at um, Dr Irini H um and you can also find me on LinkedIn uh, at Irini Hajisaba as well um I like to besides the the live series that I have um, I like to basically provide these um, small snippets on the evidence in simple terms, basically um, on gut health and mental health and overall well-being. So that's where people can find me. And I'll be happy if, if there's any DMs or any, any messages to answer any questions that uh, anybody may have. Yeah, incredible. And I'll put all of the links to all of that in the show notes so that the listeners have easy access to go over and check you out and because you do you upload so much educational information and tips and everything on your instagram which is amazing so yeah definitely be a place for the listeners to go and check out yeah well thank you and i love the work that you're doing it's it's so amazing and and all your videos are very you know um empowering i think and there are ways to make people kind of follow these kind of uh um lifestyle and also the non-fear food and mm -hmm. not restricting which i think um this is what aligns with um you know our mindset so um thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about the things that i love and thank you for all the the work that you do as well um to to promote this of course thank you so much for coming on the naked wellness podcast been a pleasure thank you what an amazing episode today with Irene if you know somebody who is currently struggling with their own gut health then I would highly recommend sending this podcast episode to them as always I absolutely love connecting with every single one of you so head over to my Instagram which is kj wellness with three s's and just chat send me through what your golden nugget was that you took away from today's episode otherwise I will chat with you in the next episode very soon until then you take care bye